Constitutionalists, MAGAs, rebels, the awakened, inquiring minds, and yes, those clinging to their guns, Bibles, and constitutions. I'm your host, Becca Marie, along with my co-host, Stella Padilla, and you are listening to Freedom Speak. I'd like for you to check out our website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can listen to any of our previous shows and even download the show notes, which I provide every week, so you can do a little bit of your own research. You can also uh, get the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Want to send us your questions and comments? Email us at Becca, B-E-C-C-A, at freedomspeaknm.com. And you can also watch us live every Friday morning. We stream on social media. We're streaming on Facebook, Rumble, X, Instagram, and YouTube. And also, you can watch us on your television, on your Roku TV or your uh, smart TV through the Roku app. Just search for Becca Marie, B-E-C-C-A-M-A-R-I. So I've got a really awesome show lined up for you today. Got uh, got a guest with uh, Stella and I in the studio, and then we also have got uh, State Rep John Block join us, joining us via our our remote link, which today is the first time we have ever tried it. So crossing our fingers, everything works flawlessly on that. <laughs> so um, as you might know, this is the first show of 2024. And I went on a uh, trip to Ohio to visit my family like I do every year. And, you know, have some stories to tell from the road along my trip. And I was... I did something with my brother while I was in Ohio. Uh, We went out and spent some time together uh, over the holiday, and I got involved in watching a football game with him. Now, I don't watch a lot of football uh, because of all the kneeling nonsense that went on a few years ago. I got a little turned off by it. I used to be a a dedicated watcher of the Super Bowl every year, and I kind of got out of that habit. But in any case, when I sit down... Uh, in front of a, a TV and for a televised game, it kind of pulls me in, and I, I'm even one of the viewers rooting for someone that's doing an amazing play. Like any other show on TV I watch, it's entertaining. I mean, that is, face it, that is what football is for. It's for entertainment. <laughs> so, uh, I like to watch the players do some amazing things. I mean, face it, these are people that are doing things that none of the rest of us can do. And it's an escape from our normal everyday life. So during the game, I was watching my, uh, with my brother. One of the players got the ball, ran about halfway down the field, dodging around several other players on the other team, and made a touchdown. It was pretty darn amazing. And as you would expect, the player was excited slammed the football to the ground and did a short celebratory dance and hugged a fellow player. Very, very brief. 
A similar thing happened twice within a short period of time. The first time a player was expelled from the game for doing that, and the other time a team was penalized 15 yards. A penalty was called, which it's referred to as excessive celebration. <laughs> and I was like, I looked at my brother and it's like, what? I've never heard of anything like that before. They get penalized for celebrating doing something amazing. So according to an article I read on this subject, it describes excessive celebration as, <clears throat> and this refers in, uh, to a college football game, which is what we were watching. <clears throat> Governed by the NCAA, it penalizes excessive celebrations with a 15-yard penalty. NCAA Football Rule 9-2, Article 1, uh, A1D, prohibits any delayed, excessive, prolonged, or choreographed act by which a player or players, a choreographed act, I'd like to watch that be kind of cool, seeing some football players doing a choreographed act, that would be entertaining, wouldn't it? Um, Article 1A2 asserts that after a score or any other play, the player in possession immediately must return the ball to an official or leave it near the dead ball spot. Yes, we can't get excited about any of this stuff. Additionally, if a player's actions are considered unsportsmanlike conduct, the result is dead ball foul, a flagrant unsportsmanlike conduct. Foul requires player ejection, which happened to that first guy which I don't understand because he didn't do any of that stuff. If a player's non-football-related act, e.g. taunting or cursing, they didn't do any of that, causes an opponent to physically retaliate, it is considered fighting and both players are ejected. Well, yeah, I mean, they're rolling around the full field beating the crap out of each other. You would think there'd be a penalty for that. So the question I have here, has wokeness now infiltrated the sport of football? Neither of the examples I witnessed seem to be excessive or rise to the level of flagrant, unsportsmanlike conduct. It was just a couple of guys being excited about making an amazing play. Come on. Really? Football's a game. The guys that play the game do it for the thrill of the competition. I know, because I have done competitive sports in my lifetime many, many years ago. I, I, I bowled. I started bowling when I was like in fourth grade because I loved bowling. I liked watching the people on TV bowling because it's like, wow, that's amazing. I would love to be competing against those people someday and be able to, you know, maybe win a game against these people. And so I started bowling when I was in fourth grade. And I continued bowling throughout the time I was in grade school. Every week I bowled through high school. Um... I started bowling as an adult. I continually got better. I got, I got instruction from bowling pros. I got tips from other bowlers that were better than me. And eventually I got to be a really good bowler. I mean, I got to, for those of you that bowl, you probably realize that averaging between 215 and 220 is a pretty good average for a bowler. Believe it or not, not, not the best for professional bowling. So I only ranked like in the middle, but I was bowling against some of the best players in the country. I eventually bowled on the tour for a couple of years. And I can tell you, when you're bowling and you're all hyped up and that adrenaline's going and you're doing a really, really good game and you feel like the, the hand of God is like helping you throw that ball, you're doing so good, you get excited. It's hard to control yourself. <laughs> so, so, 
why are the those trying to take the fun out of the game? Is this a push towards having no reward for success? Is this all because they're afraid of hurting the feelings of the losing team? We can't have that now, can we? Will football soon be handing out participation trophies because we don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt? I heard one player recently joking around about his job as a football player. I like this guy. And he said that he chases a ball around for a living and he gets paid tons of money for it. It's like, is that awesome or what? Isn't watching a little bit of celebration part of the entertainment? I'd like to see some of that choreographed uh, celebrating. That'd be really neat. Doesn't it seem like there are forces out there that just don't want anyone to have any fun anymore and for success not to be rewarded? Why were there no penalties for all those players that were kneeling for the flag and the anthem years ago? Remember that? And disrespecting our country? that is paying them enormous amounts of money to chase a ball around for a living. Anyway, that's not, not my normal opening monologue, but I thought it was kind of funny, and it was something I experienced while I was on my trip, so I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll share that with you guys. So we're doing something new today, and so far everything seems to be working perfectly. My studio get, continually keeps getting more and more complicated all the time. Um, and uh, But I... That's why we started a little bit late today. Actually, a couple reasons why we started a little bit late today. Um, first of all, it was getting this remote link up and running. Uh, first time I had done it, and uh, it seems to be working really good. And also, uh, we had a snowstorm in Albuquerque last night, and I live in the East Mountains, which got it the worst, and everything was slick everywhere, and so it took me more time to get in. So there you go. So we started late on the live stream today. Those of you that are listening on the radio, it's like, what? Well, you didn't start late. You're, that's because you're listening to a replay. Okay. So anyway. Um, I'm going to bring everybody in. Okay. So Stella. Good morning. How how was your uh, holiday? It was pretty hmm, lame. I mean, it wasn't as exciting. I think all the holidays have lost their touch, you know, since the COVID era. Nobody celebrates like they used to. Uh, everybody pretty much keeps to themselves. You or certainly, certainly can't celebrate if you get a touchdown. No, no. If you're happy, that would be a curse for sure. You'd kill the liberals, right? <laughs> yes. Nobody be happy. Let's all be Nobody. miserable. Let's be miserable together. That's right. Let's all be miserable together. <laughs> no. <laughs> How was yours? Are you, I mean, you had fun in Ohio. Well, mine was fun. I mean, I... I, I, I see, I have people ask me, and we're going to get into a topic in a little while in which I'm going to be talking about this, why I really don't care much for flying on commercial airplanes anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't feel really good about it. Oh, my brother is watching us on Rumble today. Hey, hey Heath. Hi, Mom. Is Mom there? Uh, uh, I think she, she hasn't she hasn't messaged me yet, but I guess she probably is. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so I enjoy the drive, and so... I take like two and a half days to get to Ohio, there and back, two and a half days each way. And I do like eight, nine hours of driving each day. And I enjoy the journey. I enjoy the trip. I enjoy stopping at restaurants along the way. Or if I see like an interesting roadside attraction, I stop at that. And that's something I always tell people all the time that, you know, Enjoy the journey in life because usually the journey is longer than the actual time, you know, that you're spending 
at some place a That's lot of the time. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so I did that, and I saw some interesting things along the way, and I'll probably share some of that stuff with you guys, too. So you like traveling by car, but it's not because the air marshals follow you around on the airplane, right? No, they're probably following me around on the road, too, probably. because I'm sure that I'm considered a domestic terrorist oh, by now. Oh, for sure. Yes, I'm yeah. sure I am. Mm-hmm. So I've got also in the studio with us, i got Celia Cortez. Mm-hmm. Celia also lives in the East Mountains where I do, so she just barely slipped in here as the show was starting. <laughs> How's it going, Celia? Pretty good. Made it here. Past, yeah. Past two accidents. Only yeah. two. Oh, Surprising. Just, there was a couple on the way, too. You know, I was going down, um, I was going, as I was going down I-40, mm-hmm. the traffic stopped in front of me, so the road didn't look slick, so I hit the brakes, and a sudden I started sliding. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. It's all I see. It actually the, yeah. is slick. Yeah. So it was a little bit scary, but, <laughs> but I made it here, and of course, that's partly why we started the show a little bit late today. Anyway, so uh, Celia, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you know what what you do? What do I do? Yeah. Well, um, I originally uh, wanted to be working on my art, but after COVID, everybody talks about pre-COVID, um, life changed, and so now I uh, do a lot of volunteer work. I serve as the ward chair, right, for District Twenty for the ward I'm in. Yes, yes, um, which is a fair amount of work. Um, and we can talk hopefully a little bit more about that. And yeah. then uh, I serve on our local water board for our uh, subdivision. So you waterboard people in your subdivision? Uh, we're, we're, yes, yes. That's a little bit uh, excessive, don't you well, think? Well, you know, I think our government got away with it, so. Well, I think we should be waterboarding uh, everybody <laughs> in Congress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I have a few other things that I'm involved with, but I'm still hopefully, um, you know, trying to spend, uh, my goal this year is to spend more time doing my artwork. Cool. Yeah, I've yeah. seen your artwork. It's pretty awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So, okay, so I've got also, and this is, this is our first time we've tried this, I've got, I've got John Block, our state rep. He's down in Alamogordo, and I've got him on our, our new remote link. Let me see. Let me get it uh, set up here. There you are. Hey, John, how's it going? Good. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Yeah, I can wow. see, see you good. I can hear <laughs> you it. good. And it's like, wow. <laughs> first time around, it worked. Yes. I guess we're both good luck. That's good. Well, I've had a lot of things happen the past couple of days uh, that I'll be sharing with everybody eventually. But uh, it's going to okay. be a good year, actually. It's going to be a very good year because I've got some new things I'm going to do with the show this year. And um, hopefully I'm going to be utilizing this remote link more and bringing in um, guests from all over the country. And it just gives me a lot more options. So I've been wanting to do this with you for a while, but it took me a little while to get this set up. So, so John, tell yeah. everybody a little bit about what you're doing. What you know, who you are, how you got into politics. I don't think everybody's anybody's ever really talked to you about that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm the youngest member of the House. Well, actually, of the legislature. Period. Uh, I'm 26. Turn 27 next next. Uh, actually, this month. And so, you know, I ran for office because I was just sick and tired of the same old establishment, yada, yada. And I knew a person like me would never be elected in a million years unless I took the bull by the horns and did it myself. And when I ran, I ran against an incumbent who was there for two terms. She pretty much was a do-nothing, in my opinion, and she pretty much wasted a good conservative area's seat by just sitting there and not not advocating for the people. So I ran against her in 2022, and I won miraculously. 
And so now I'm here at the legislature fighting hard for you, the people of this great state, and to protect our constitutional rights, which I know that you know are being infringed upon daily. Oh my by God, this yes. Horrific woman that we have sitting in the fourth floor. The of tiny the tyrant. The tiny little tyrant. If I could use other words, I would, but that's who she is. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, you know what, John, I I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being um, accessible. You know, so many politicians, they're not accessible. You know, you'll email them all day long. You'll try to call them. You'll never hear from them. And really, I think being accessible and coming out and being able to talk to your constituents is extremely important. And so that's I want to let you know I really appreciate you being on with us today. Well, thank you. And, you know, I think we need more of that in the legislature, because no matter what title you have, you're just one election away from becoming a regular Joe like everybody else. And so I always see myself first and foremost as an American and then secondarily as all these other titles that we may or may not give ourselves. So that's something that I really think that every politician should have. And everyone who's in elected office should remember that they need to humble themselves because the only reason they're there in the first place is because of we the people. Yeah, absolutely. I've been getting some comments from uh, some of our social media people. By the way, if you guys are watching us streaming live on any of the social media platforms, you can enter in. Uh, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching X Rumble and, and Facebook. So you can if you message into those, I'll see the messages. I see that Tamara is watching. She's one of our big fans. I got Michael. And Michael says, if liberals aren't miserable, they ain't happy. It's like that's pretty much I think that's the way they think. I really do. Tamara said hi also, John. And I'm sure you know Tamara also. Oh, I do. Yeah. Hey, Tamara. Good she's, to see you. She's a big patriot. She is. <laughs> so, so, okay, I want you guys to weigh in on what do you think about uh, this uh, excessive celebration thing? Have you ever heard of this thing in football, excessive celebration? No, I think what they're trying to do is paralyze everything that, that Americans enjoy. Anything that, like, well, football is real American. And the all Americans and to, to, totally enjoy it. Like you said, you always watch the Super Bowl. A lot of people do. But it makes people happy. So that's when they step in. Let's make them miserable. <laughs> yeah. I want to say hi to you, John. And I'm so grateful that you're so young because you're going to need it. <laughs> and I know you say I that will. you're just one election away from being gone, but that's because we're conservative. If you're a Democrat, you could be in there all your life. You know how that goes. But I, we, we, we appreciate you, and it's so great to see your handsome face and be able to see you instead of just talk to you. We you really too, appreciate Stella. you. It's been God too bless long. You. We yeah. need to go see each other in person someday. <laughs> we appreciate you, honest. Absolutely. You. Well, don't go celebrating, you know. That's no, we can't have that. So. No. <laughs> don't get happy. <laughs> what do you think about the excessive celebration thing I talked about, John? Do you think that do you think do you yeah. think in general that liberals are just miserable people and it's like it's kind of like one of those things they kind of live by the motto that misery loves company? It does. You know, you can't celebrate but you sure can set fire to your hometown and declare <laughs> war on the white people. Yeah, right? that's right. God forbid you have an extra high five after a touchdown. God forbid. So. I know. And I watched these two guys that got the penalties, and it's like, what? I was surprised. It's like, what did they get penalized for? I mean, it was like so so short. I mean, the guy makes this amazing play. He goes off. He, he just, yay, and he, he hugs, hugs one of his fellow players. Eh, penalized. It's like, <laughs> What? But if he'd have been cursing and jumping and everything else, that'd have been okay. You'd, but no, he's a, a, show of, a show of affection cannot be allowed. I guess, I guess not. <laughs> 
so, okay, so I noticed a couple of things on my way. Maybe you guys can answer this question for me. You know, Chick-fil-A has always been a controversial thing for years. For some reason, it seems like they constantly want to attack Chick-fil-A. I don't know why. And I think that it's probably like Trump. The more they attack Trump, the more people support Trump. The more people attack Chick-fil-A, the more business Chick-fil-A gets. I was, I was going through... Amarillo, and I was looking for a place to stay because I stayed there like on my last day traveling. And I went by a Chick fil A, and like every other Chick fil A, the place was like the parking lot was packed, completely full. They had two lanes going through the drive through in which they were lined up all around the building. And it's like this at Chick-fil-A all the time. Are they putting something in those in those chicken sandwiches, or, or what are they doing? I don't know, but the lines are horrendous. I mean, sometimes I want a Chick-fil-A, but I, I, can't, I don't want to wait for that long line. It, They're so quite efficient. They are very efficient. They do. They move yeah. them through pretty good. you got to mm-hmm. say that for them. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just wonder, what is it about? I mean, I've had Chick-fil-A before, and it's like they do make a really good chicken sandwich. Absolutely. But I just kind of wonder... Yeah, you know, why? I don't understand it. I think part of it is that people want to support the underdog, they, like you're saying. You think that's what it is? I, I think it's definitely part of it. And there, I think, are more conservative-leaning people in our country yeah. than the media tends to let be known. So, therefore, they're, they're supporting. And, you know, there's a big movement now towards a whole uh, business e- economy or that's conservative-related. Yeah, well, and I think that the conservatives are fighting the anti woke, and they're outnumbered. We're outnumbered. We outnumber all the woke. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they fight as hard as they can. And Chick Fil A was closed on Sundays. Give their, you know, their employees a time to be a, a god. Go to church, you know, worship God and stuff like that. And that just antagonizes it and just sets their hair on fire. So they probably never eat Chick Fil A. The liberals. Well, Good. And- you know, and you've got you've got New York going after Chick Fil A now too, and it's like they're trying to force them to be open on Sundays. Now, I personally think it would be a major mistake for Chick Fil A as a company to bow down to this this you know oppression going on in New York. I I think, and and I got to thinking about this when I saw. You know, yet another Chick-fil-A just packed full with people lined around the building and filling up the parking lot. It's like, I think that they should stand their ground. I think they should obviously take New York to court over this and sue them and say, hey, this isn't part of our uh, business agreement that we have that we signed on to when we opened our locations in these places. Apparently, it's in places where people travel through or something. And there's but there's other places there, too, other um, eating establishments that are open. Chick-fil-A is just one of others. And so I think that Chick-fil-A has so much leverage. Number one, they should try to take them to court. I think they'll probably win. But if they don't, I think they should simply tell the state of New York, okay, in that case, we're going to close all these locations because this is our moral principles that we do our business by and we are not going to uh, bend on these. And I think there would be a huge outrage by the people of New York that love their Chick-fil-A, and you might even say are completely addicted to their Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and and I, I just think they would win well, one way or the other. I think if they stand their ground, the lines are going to be worse than they are now. Yes. 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 So, so they what, will. Is, what is the, uh, how is this, the state of New York stating that 
that Chick-fil-A has to stay open? What is their premise? I mean, how do they think they can legally back this? Well, okay, so their their reasoning behind this is they're saying, okay, these are essential travel, like, you know, like places where people travel, like in the middle of the night and stuff like that. And kind of like... Kind of like when I was traveling for my trip back and forth to Ohio, over I, I actually left on New Year's Day, so I was traveling on New Year's Day. Imagine if all the gas stations closed down on New Year's Day. It would be um, a it'd be a problem. It, you know, so they're trying to say that people not being able to get their Chick Fil A on Friday on Sundays is just just a terrible, unacceptable <laughs> situation. Which you might say, well, as I much as people love did, their yeah. Chick Fil A, might be true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, John? Well, I would definitely agree that we, you know, we just crave Chick-fil-A. Like where I live, <laughs> we don't have a Chick-fil-A. And whenever I go up to Santa Fe or Albuquerque, I just, first place I go, I'm not going to go home. I'm not going to go to the hotel. I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. So you're just, you're just, exactly. you're just hooked on your Chick-fil-A. So you're, you're yeah. standing with New York City, I see. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know how that goes. They can't keep that in, in good conscience, allow that. With no. the courts saying the First yeah. Amendment. I mean, the First Amendment trumps everything. If you state that it's a religious basis on this, which they do, yeah. there's no way that this can stand. So it's pretty much just a stupid mandate, again, from a far-left, Democrat-run city. And, uh, you know, it's, people love their Chick-fil-A. When I was traveling, I, I went to, I think I stopped over in DFW Airport. And in the airport, there's like an Arby's. There's a McDonald's, and there's a Chick-fil-A. You want to guess which line was the longest? And <laughs> going all the way down, all the way past toward the bathrooms, it was the Chick-fil-A, of course, because they have better products. Their chicken is, like, literally sent from God. Yeah, and it's so pretty fantastic. When people use Chick-fil-A as a bargaining chip, it's, it's just such easy fodder for the left to attack Chick-fil-A because they know conservatives love Chick-fil-A so much. And they do, too. They won't admit it, but they do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I think they need to stand their ground. If they don't stand their ground, I think it's going to be very bad for them. I think that the people that have supported them all these years, uh, you know, it'd be a very bad business decision, my opinion. It would. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's one little story I remember. I was was interning in D.C. at the time, and I went to a— I think it was a Starbucks back then, and I ordered something, and the person that, of course, it was a blue-haired person across from me, <laughs> <Blue-haired>. the barista, <laughs> and and I talked to her, and she's like, oh, well, you know, I get off work, and I'm going to go get some Chick-fil-A, and she's like, but their values, though, and yeah. I told her, I was like, yeah, they do have values. <laughs> Imagine that. And she's like, well, I love their chicken, so I'll keep on buying their chicken sandwiches, so even if you're a blue-haired liberal... You're still buying chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. Don't think that we don't see you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I think a lot of the, what they're doing is just a way to um, tie up businesses and have them spend their money. Um, it's a lawfare, which we're seeing happening across you know, so much here in the United States with respect to the conservatives. So I don't think they have the expectation they're going to win, but it's just to uh, to take their time, to take their money. I think it's a way to show those that they can control. Yeah, that too. They want to control everything that, that happens. Yeah. And we're done with control. And, you know, nobody should be able to control us. Okay, that means that we're at the end of the segment. So 
Hang in there. I got lots to talk about today. I want to finish talking about a little bit of this stuff. And then I want to dig into this Japanese airline crash. I want to talk about some of the details of that from that you probably have not heard by watching the mainstream news. Because as you know, I'm a pilot and I also worked for the Air Traffic Control Center for quite a while. So you're listening to Becca Marie's Freedom Speak. We will be right back in just a few minutes. Dr. Dan Lafferty. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Z from ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Putting off a trip to the dentist due to dental anxiety? Let us ease your fears. At ABQ Gentle Dentistry, we are gentle from your first phone call with the receptionist to the dental chair for treatment. We offer oral conscious sedation, IV sedation, and nitrous gas. We have the latest technology to handle all your dental needs right in our office. Same day crowns, 3D x-rays, 3D printing, digital intraoral photos, and laser technology. Let us transform your life by transforming your smile into a smile you can love. We also offer clear tray orthodontic therapy. You're part of the family here at ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Gentle is not just our name, it's how we treat our patients. We accept most insurance plans and also work with multiple lending companies to help make financing possible. Y hablamos español. We're located at 4550 Eubank Boulevard, Northeast, Suite 101. Give us a call at 505-292-8588 to begin your journey to an awesome smile. Or on the web at albuquerquegentledentist.com. I'd like to tell you about where I take my own car for general auto repairs. Gennaro's Auto, located at 544 Louisiana Boulevard Southeast in Albuquerque, can take care of all your general auto repair needs with fast, friendly, honest service at the lowest price in town. Gennaro's can handle anything from tune-ups and electrical repairs to a total engine swap. Y también hablamos español. Give Gennaro a call at 804-8750 or just stop by their shop at 544 Louisiana Boulevard Southeast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Genter from High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness. For 27 years, I've been helping patients by gently treating the root cause of their health issues, not just symptoms. Treatments include various chiropractic techniques and therapies, such as electrical stimulation, ultrasound and intersegmental traction, or the roller table. Let's help you be your best self by helping you achieve optimal wellness and maintain it lifelong. Located at 5310 Homestead Road, Northeast, call us at 505-292-2226. Do you need a trailer to haul something around? Check out my friends at JP Trailer Sales. They've been doing business in Albuquerque for seven years. Whether you're hauling cars, landscaping equipment, dirt, or your favorite off-road toys, JP Trailers has the perfect trailer at a great price to fit your needs. They have open trailers and closed trailers and can even do special orders. You'll always receive great, friendly customer service and no appointment is ever needed. Stop by their location at 7605 San Pedro Drive, Northeast and Albuquerque, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5 p.m. You can also call them at 505-469-1667 or 505-557-8164 or check them out on the web at flatbedtrailersusa.com. Would you like to move on from being a keyboard warrior to owning your own media? 
I'm Floyd Cisco with Spoken Words in New Mexico. I can take your event to the next level by providing cameras, microphones, video switchers, and other hardware to turn your event into a professional production. See what I've done for others and what I can do for you at rumble.com slash spoken words New Mexico. To get started, send me an email at spokenwords.nm at protonmail.com. Again, that's spokenwords.nm at protonmail.com. Are you a small business with unique skills that believes it can bring value to Sandia or our other national labs and would like to grow your national lab contract portfolio? Then listen up. Working with any of the national labs can be overwhelming. From the lengthy terms to the bureaucratic red tape, it can feel like these labs don't want to work with small businesses. Nothing could be further from the truth. They want and need exceptional small businesses to be part of their supply chain. I can help you. My name is Asa Bortz Johnson, owner of Sandia Consulting Group. I spent 10 years as a subcontract manager at Sandia Labs and can help you navigate the bureaucracy. My central objectives are to increase your firm's probability of winning a contract, minimize your administrative burden, shorten the time frame from proposal to purchase order, and maximize your firm's profit. Give me a call at 505-362-3499 or go to my website at sandiaconsultinggroup.com. Schedule your no-cost meet and greet to discuss how Sandia Consulting Group can support your mission. Did you realize that our skin is the largest organ of the body? How often do we pay attention to what it's telling us? Hi, I'm Tomei with Skin LLC, and we don't just cover up imperfections, we heal them. Our skin being the largest organ of the body tells a story. Beauty and skin alike are often overlooked because we get overwhelmed with so much daily input. You can learn your own skin and beauty story through the customized treatments we provide, personalized just for you. Let us give you the education, healing, rejuvenation, and restoration to support your journey. Call or text 505-918-4211, mention this ad for a free phone consultation, and visit our website at abqskinllc.com. That number again is 505-918-4211. everybody welcome back to freedom speak with becca marie and stella and uh i uh (laughs) you notice how i said i did the zoom link for the first time well i didn't realize that i didn't have an adequate subscription on it so i had to take care of that during the break so i got to get uh john back in um so what i'm wondering is celia did you have some notes some things you wanted to talk about real quick while i'm doing that uh, well, we were talking about uh, the J6, and uh, if anybody has um, a subscription to the Epic, Epic Times, they do have the video, the newest uh, documentary video that's available through the 6th, available for free, even if you don't have Epoch TV. So, uh, 
Yeah, I saw it. If if anybody doesn't have access to that, they can reach out to Becca, and I can. Well, actually, I, I forward the uh, the link to you, Becca, via email from the ward. So if you somebody reaches out, they want that, you're welcome to forward it on. And speaking of J six, we do have. Uh, there's going to be a support group for them. They're standing with the J sixers on Saturday, which is actually on January sixth, and on San Mateo and Academy from eleven to two. So we would appreciate your support if you go down there. And stand by the J6ers. It'll be a nice event. And I also believe there's another Second Amendment event that I sent out and don't remember the date of that. Uh, maybe one of you two know it's in February. going to be at the uh, Roundhouse. Second Amendment, big, big uh, rally that's happening. Do you know what date? That's why I was just saying I don't remember. Let me see if I can find it on my email. Okay. Yeah, we really need to stand up and support, you know, yes. support them, especially the J6ers. It's a curse being trapped there for three years already, um, not being guilty of anything. They haven't charged them with anything, well, insurrection, but they can't prove anything. And they're, they're you know, their families are, you know, without them, they're having to deal with everything, the wives by themselves with their kids and everything, and there's no way that they can even help them in any way. So we need really to stand by them. And do whatever we can to see if they could get released. Yeah, we need to keep them in our prayers. There are so many of them. I mean, you think how long they've been in prison without their fundamental rights. And in the worst conditions. Yeah, in the worst conditions, yeah. Who would have ever thought that could happen in America? I mean, And the unfortunate thing, most people don't know this is even happening. Well, you know, it's been happening for some time. I mean, when Martin Luther King, I mean, this whole thing when they want you to shut up and quit, you know, being an activist and fighting for the people, uh, they'll, the United States has been known to do that. You know, get the FBI, CIA, whatever, mm-hmm. and get false charges against you and have a reason to lock you up and shut you up. Uh, by the way, the uh, other Second Amendment, uh, or the other event, the Second Amendment Day Rally, We'll be at the Santa Fe State Capitol on February the 3rd, 10 a.m. February 3rd. So so put that on your calendar, folks. Your calendar. February the 3rd, 10 a.m. We all really need to get down there and, and make a statement. Yes, we know Heinrich has put out some new legislation that uh, will basically support what our governor, Tyrant, wants to do. <laughs> I was looking to see if John was on. Well, yeah, he's running for governor, right, Heinrich? Oh, is he? Well, why do, why do you think now he appeared out of nowhere from oh. Maryland? I mean, nobody well, even heard from him once he got in office. Well, he's got a few years. Um, there is somebody that is running against him this next go-around. So um, maybe I don't have his name or anything, but uh, we definitely do support the candidates, conservative candidates that are running against everybody that's uh, on the progressive side. And I consider everybody more progressives really more so than Democrats are on the left. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, what they're doing from a progressive standpoint is it's Marxism. It's not Democrats. Well, there's nothing progressive about it. No, yeah. but it's Marxist. <laughs> By the way, I lost John on the Zoom link because I didn't realize I had to actually sign up for a, uh, uh, an upgraded account. So anyway, I've... Uh, uh, that's okay. We still got so him. so much fun with him. <laughs> that's okay. We got him via phone. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Hey, John. Hey Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I had to uh, sign up for an account on Zoom. Otherwise, it like shuts you down after. I did that now, but unfortunately, there's no way I have time to do the show and reestablish a connection. So we'll just do phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, 
We already got to Technical see you. Technical difficulties. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a problem. I I, I anticipated uh, at least something uh, not to go the way I expected, and that's it. And I'll have that fixed by the end of the day. So, I uh, you, you know another thing that I thought about on my trip when I was coming back from Ohio is I noticed. You know how when you're going down the highway and there's these huge signs going over the entire interstate, you know, and, and, you know, and you can see, well, you can see the signs on the other side of the interstate, the backs of them. The ones that warn you about traffic and snow. Well, exit ramps and, and road names and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it's oh, big, yeah. they, they have big metal poles on each side of the interstate and they have big, you know, also, structures. Also, not, not that, the digital stuff. But no, just, no, go over the highway, literally over yeah, the highway. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it tells you, you know, take this mm-hmm. exit for whatever. Well... One thing I saw which just amazed me when I was going down the highway is I saw graffiti on the backs of those signs. Enormous graffiti covering the entire back of the sign. It's like, that's impressive. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's vandalism, but I mean, it's still impressive that obviously these people climbed up on that sign and they were up over the highway on their sign and they were painting it. And what was what kind of graffiti was it? Was oh, just I I don't understand anything? the stuff. I, I think it's like gang names or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, <laughs> I I I I don't know what this writing is. It's like weird word. Do you have any idea what that is, John? I have no idea. You know, I, it's mostly just probably some very inventive individual who was able to climb up yeah. twenty feet to go draw their name. It. it was I mean, a, I guess if, if you're willing to do that, you know. Props to you, but don't break the law. <laughs> you know, I see people do that sometimes on these uh, these rail cars, in which they leave them parked too long on the track, and if they're there more than a day or so and they're parked overnight, the next day they're graffitied. And it's like I'll read these things. Sometimes when I go down to like uh, head down to like Alamogordo, I've seen these track these trains on the tracks in which they've put this enormous graffiti that they've painted over them. Um, yeah. I don't know. Some of them are very talented. They are. It's really they some really, amazing artwork. They should use their talent they, in better ways, though. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and then across the state, there's like little weird, I don't know if you've seen them driving to Almogordo or not, but right halfway through, after you pass like, uh, I forget, it's a little town, and there's a little back road, there's always like an abandoned house or something that has a weird looking bird with horns on it. It's like some kind of maybe satanic thing. I don't know what it is, but you see those all over the state, and it's so weird. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Just look out for the graffiti next time. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I've never yet. Don't look at the yet... beautiful vistas. Look for the graffiti. <laughs> I, well, I, I look at the graffiti. It's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I see this graffiti. I'll look at the graffiti on, like, the sides of the train cars and stuff when I'm driving. It's like, wow, that's really pretty amazing. I've never actually seen anybody actually doing it. I guess they must be doing it at night or something. So nobody sees them do it. Mm. Anyway. Probably. Pretty impressive. But So I want to talk about this. Japanese airline crash. Have you have you guys all seen the news on that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah I haven't heard enough mm-hmm. about it. So yeah, look. so I'm going to try to break it down. Break it down. I mean, I got all the facts on it from uh, from numerous different sources. So we know the basic things that the news has been talking about. By the way, my brother just messaged in on Rumble and said. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is a Democrat, so that may explain a lot. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, he also did nothing about the kneeling or anything when that was going on, but yet he's penalizing people for having fun. But, so anyway, 
we've heard that we had a Japanese airliner, an Airbus A350, uh, colliding with a Coast Guard Bombardier. I think it's pronounced Bombardier Dash uh, Eight, and it's a like a small dual prop plane on the runway, and. Some information has been coming out now where they've been talking about how the Coast Guard plane, for some reason, pulled out onto the runway as the airliner, the A350, was coming in for a landing. So let me tell you a little bit about how this works, okay? So from what I understand, I think, uh, if I recall, I think the taxiway was like uh, Charlie 5, which stands for C5. All of the taxiways on the, at the airport are numbered and with letters and numbers. And so when, you, when you're a pilot and you're navigating to where you're supposed to be taking off, uh, the ground control at the airport will tell you how to navigate through these taxiways to make sure that nobody runs into each other. And so the transcript says that the Coast Guard plane was told to hold short at taxiway Charlie 5, which means do not go out on the runway. And they also told them you're, you're first in line, which means, okay, you hold. there's a line right there that divides the taxiway from the runway. Now, the reason this collision occurred is because the, in order for, for them to move more airplanes down the runway uh, than everybody just lining up all the way at the end of the runway, planes like this turboprop plane, which only requires a very short distance to get off the ground and get going, is sometimes they'll, they'll guide them down to a further, a further down point, which also happens to correspond with the touchdown point of the large airliners when they come in. There's lines there that when the pilot's coming in that they, they, that's where they're shooting for their wheels to touch down is right there at those lines, but also is, happens to be at that, near that location of that taxiway. So the transcript from air traffic control clearly states that the A350 had clearance to land. They were not in the wrong. Uh, the, uh, the airliner was cleared to land. That's confirmed. And another thing, too, is when air traffic control gives you, as a pilot when you're flying the plane, and they give you an uh, instruction like, okay, cleared to land, runway, blah, 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 then as a pilot, you repeat that command back. Okay, uh, you know, like for instance, my plane was a, a Cessna 150, I'd say Cessna blah, 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 uh, cleared to land, runway, whatever. And so that way the air traffic controller knows that you correctly heard the instruction that they gave you. Mm-hmm. That's very, very important. Because if you repeat it back wrong, then they're going to correct you. Another story I heard from a friend of mine was telling me the other day, there was an um, airliner that was taking off from a runway, apparently, when they weren't, they weren't familiar with the airport. And they told them to uh, do a, uh, a, a left turnout, climb to, you know, whatever they, they may say, you know, climb to, climb to 5,000 feet and uh, turn left. And then they'll repeat that command. Well, the airplane repeated back... Uh, Climbing to 5,000 feet with a right turn. Well, before the air traffic controller got back to this pilot and told him, no, no, it's a left turn, he had already plowed into the side of a mountain. So that's why this is very, very important. Now, the transcript shows that, in fact, this Coast Guard plane was told to hold short 
at Taxiway Charlie 5. And for some reason, he went out onto the runway anyway. So was there a, a response back from, from the Coast Guard confirming? That's what is not, a, not clear at this point. Um, and apparently there is a... Um, the Coast Guard plane actually had a pilot and a co-pilot. Now, the, the pilot got out of the plane. The co-pilot didn't, along with the other crew members on the plane. So what's in question here is, was there some breakdown in communication on the part of the pilot? It, it, it would appear that the fault does not fall on the air traffic controller. It seems like they did their job. And, and you know that one story I was talking about where the controller told the pilot to do a left turnout and he did a right turnout and hit a, hit a mountain. That controller was all messed up after that because he was questioning what he said at that point. I mean, they they immediately took him off duty and they listened to the replays. So it's all recorded. It's all oh everything's recorded mm-hmm. at the air traffic control, control center. Everything is recorded. Okay. So they can always play that back to see, and they you know they found out no he gave in fact gave the correct instructions, and the pilot, you know, by the time he said confirmed back the wrong instructions, he had already ran into the mountain. Is there a recording in? The airplane as well? Yes. So there's two there's two types of recorders in the planes. There is a um, cockpit report, recorder, which basically records the conversation between the pilot and what's going on in the cockpit. And there and then there is a flight recorder which, you know, records the data from from the instrumentation and everything like that. So they can use those two things. They know exactly what's going on. And those things are supposedly supposed to be pretty much indestructible. So therefore the the order of the command from the from the FAA, whatever that is, from the command center from the air traffic the, control from the air traffic center, control, yeah. that would be recorded? Yes. Yes it is. And not only that, but the air the air traffic center also has their own recordings. So so what happened was is this Coast Guard plane was roughly about sixteen hundred feet down the runway, which is close to where the touchdown point is for the airliners. He went out onto the runway anyway. Now, the crash occurred, as you might have seen from the footage, it happened at night. Okay, I can tell you from from my own personal experience, because I've logged quite a few nighttown flying hours myself, that when you're coming into an airport at night, uh, especially a, a major airport like this one, um, all you see as a pilot when you're lined up with the runway is you see those bright runway lights. That's all you see now. Like for instance, Albuquerque International, you'll see the you'll see the bright lights along the runway. You'll see some other flashing lights going down the runway, kind of telling, okay, this is the way the runway goes. You'll see that, and that's all you can see because it's dark. Other than that, and those lights, they just uh, everything else just looks black. So if there was another airplane sitting down there on the runway, well, you wouldn't see it. Um, because they would just have maybe navigational lights, a red and green navigational light, maybe a little strobe. Um, and from the back, you wouldn't see anything else because their landing light is in front of the plane. So you'd be seeing the back. So they, you wouldn't see them. And it's entirely possible that that A350, when he came in for a landing and suddenly touches down and literally runs over that uh, Coast Guard plane. And I can tell you, you know, an A350, it's enormous. And this Coast Guard plane is just a, a dual turboprop. Uh, I don't know, probably holds maybe eight people or so. Um, is very small compared to this plane. And 
I, I, I can tell you from my own experience of a couple of times that I took off from Albuquerque International in my Cessna 150, and I was in the line with all the big jets. And I'm sitting there in my 150, and I'm like looking up at that plane as, as I'm there behind it. Um, it's, you know, it, it wouldn't even know you were there. Mm-hmm. And when that plane came in and ran over that Coast Guard plane, it literally ran over it. Um, they found a dent on each one of the engines on the A350, which tells me that it, it just ran o- completely ran over it. Probably the props from the A350 struck the engines on uh, uh, the Coast Guard plane. The props on it struck the engines on the A350 because they were both dented. And then suddenly there's a fire and the pilots probably didn't know what happened until and it, it destroyed the nose gear on the A350 and it the the nose of the plane went down you might have noticed from some of the pictures well the nose is on the ground um, they managed to keep the plane going straight down the runway and, and you can do that because airplanes have differential braking systems so you have a pedals on the floor a right and a left pedal, which not only operates your ailerons, but it also, when you're on the ground, it operates the brakes independently on the right and left wheel. So you can steer the airplane a whole lot by hitting one brake or the other. You hit the right brake, and, and, and then the plane will swing around a little bit to the left. So that's probably how they kept it going straight, going down the runway. Um, let's see. What else did I have on this? I And just the pilot survived on the little plane. Yes. I don't know how I don't know how that, they did, but they did. But there was yeah. five people that died, so was it five. So any of the passengers then on that? Well, there weren't passengers on the Coast Guard plane. Right. They were actually in the midst of a uh, emergency operation because they Japan recently had a big earthquake, and so they were involved in the support operations for the earthquake uh, earthquake stuff that was going on. So, um, so have they? Done a health analysis on the on the uh, pilot of the of the Coast Guard and oh, have a medical event. And oh, I, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> That's where we're heading. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the uh, a lot of people are asking. It's like, how did all of those people manage to escape off of that? A350 um, in such a short amount of time before the entire thing went up in flames and literally just disintegrated. The only thing left were the wings laying on the runway and and the fuselage was just a pile of ash. A couple explanations on that that I I heard was that that airplane is made out of a composite material rather than aluminum like the older planes. Mm -hmm. And apparently it burns slower than aluminum does. So when the plane was burning up, the passengers inside, even though there was some smoke, the flames did not get inside the cabin. The, the A350 has eight escape slides, which only the two in the front that were away from the fire and one of the ones on the side that wasn't on the side that was completely engulfed in flames, um, the, apparently the flight attendants just used their own judgment and opened that one um, because the communications, also, internal communications on the plane also went down. It probably destroyed all of that equipment like almost instantly. Um, so, and they're trying, I, I heard one news outlet say that they got out in 90 seconds or, or 90, that's not true. They, the flight crew will 
practice to evac fully evacuate the plane using at least half of the escape slides within 90 seconds. But realistically, from the time that the airplane had the impact with the Coast Guard plane and the time that all the passengers were off the plane was about 18 minutes, which, which is really amazing that, you know, nobody, no, not a single person died on that plane at all. Um, and another thing, too. There is a, an interesting cultural thing that a lot of people are not talking about. I'm sure somebody's afraid of offending somebody or something like that. But it's, it's a fact in, in Japanese culture, they're used to being packed into small spaces. They live in small apartments. I mean, I heard, of, uh, heard where sometimes people, you'll have four people living in a 100-square-foot space. Um, the, uh, another friend of mine, which actually was in Japan for a while, said that what they will do, they literally have people that they, they call pushers that work for train systems. So when you're getting on the train, they're pushing people in, packing them in as tight as they possibly can. And they, they ha- actually have these. That's their job. That's the job of these people is to push people in. Japanese people are used to being pushed along and crammed into small spaces. So when they were told to get off that plane, I am guessing, now this is a guess on my part, I'm guessing that the flight attendants were probably pushing them out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody else say, you know, if this would have happened, if this would have been an American airliner, if this happened, we would have had a whole lot of deaths because people would have been, oh, they would have been wanting to get their luggage out of the overhead and they would have been arguing about it. People in Japan, they're used to following orders exactly and they don't argue and they just get it done. And so they got off that plane. Nobody died. Amazing. Um, okay. So I said that. Um, okay. So the other thing I was thinking about. This is something I've been thinking about for a while now, ever since they were mandating the vaxes for the pilots and for the air traffic controllers and all the people that are supposed to be uh, responsible for the safety of the flying public. I mean, that's, that's the motto in the FAA. You know, we're, we're responsible for the safety of the flying public. Um, the FAA has strict rules for pilots on their medical certifications. Even if you've got a little, if you're taking some kind of heart medicine, you're not going to be given a, you're, you're not going to be approved. Your medical is going to be denied if you're on some kind of heart medication. And I, I know up till recently, I mean, a lot of people are on antidepressants. If you're on an antidepressant, you will also be rejected. Now, from what I understand, they're lightening up on those rules a little bit. And they lightened up on these rules a whole lot when they allowed people to receive experimental injections with no clinical trials, with no idea of what effect it was going to have on them and they bent their the fa violated their own rules by mandating this on the pilots not to mention the air traffic controllers and you hear about all these things brain fog you hear about this sort of thing now do you feel safe being on an airliner um, in which the pilot has been jabbed and they have brain fog and they're not necessarily thinking exactly as quickly as they normally would or if the air traffic controller was also not thinking as quick as they possibly could i don't know that could be the case with this coast guard pilot who who says we don't know we don't know on that we don't know why he would pull out on the runway when he was given clear instructions and it was him and a co-pilot both sitting there both heard the instructions 
and yet they did it anyway. And then I had had somebody else tell me, it's like, you know, there's this whole thing with Japanese culture in which uh, sometimes uh, a, a more higher-ranking pilot uh, might uh, be kind of stubborn and not listen to what the co-pilot is saying and just go ahead and do his own thing. There's that, too. Any thoughts, you guys? It, it, well, in the first place, do they have to tell you that they were vaxxed? You know, and we're all, I think a lot of people rejected the vax, and they probably lost their job temporarily and are probably back in now. But, I, you know, how many planes, do you, how many uh, pilots did you actually hear that had a heart attack while they were up in the air that were vaxxed? So are they going to tell you that these people have had a vax? Not really. I don't think it'll, you, you'll just take your chances. No, no, they're not going to tell you. No. And, and you know, there have been there have been a number of pilots dropping dead in the cockpit mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, um, and they just don't have any explanation. We don't know why this person just died suddenly. This, this this we don't understand this new phenomena. What has changed over the past couple of years that would suddenly we're having these things? It's like, yeah, but they don't want to talk about that. Well, you can figure that. I'm guessing everybody that is still a pilot has been vaxxed. So, if you feel safe <laughs> knowing that, uh, I mean, I, I just, and everything that we know now about the vaccine, I would think it'd be almost crazy to fly on the airplanes now. Plus, it's just gotten to be so, so difficult. Well, that's why I talked about this, because I think everybody deserves to know, because um, the, the airlines aren't going to tell you, and the FAA is not going to tell you, and nobody is ever going to admit that they made a mistake in this because it would open them up for massive lawsuits. Nobody's going to admit it, ever. Ever. They never will. John, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here. What's Good your conversation th- you guys are having? I, it's just so interesting to me that, first of all, I would like to hear this tape. I, I do not speak Japanese, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be useful for me. But I would want to know, like, how clearly was the directive to go left instead of right or right instead of left how clear did that go over on on the radio because i know some things are a little fuzzy when it comes to the radio yeah so i'd love to hear an individual look at that and see how clear that was because if both the co-pilot and the pilot did the opposite of what they said i would want to know directly who gave the order how did it sound on the radio and if it did sound fuzzy how can we ensure that this doesn't happen again by having a lot more clear and distinct Call well, John, left hey, right. hold that thought. We'll finish that up on the next segment. I'm going to try to bring you back in on Zoom, too, during the five-minute break, so watch for that link. But anyway, in the meantime, stay on the phone. We'll be right back. You're listening to Becca Marie's Freedom Speak. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 